1984 and the Doctor, Tegan and Turler arrive in Little Hodcombe, looking forward to spending time with Tegan's grandfather, but they soon discover that all is not well. Tegan's grandfather is missing and the locals seem to be reenacting English Civil War battles from 1643. With the past mixed up with the present, can the Doctor stop the games before an evil entity awakens? This is the awakening. Welcome to Regenerated. Before the Civil War started. Then why has it been dormant for so long? It requires a massive force of psychic energy to activate it. When the Civil War came to Little Hodcombe, it created precisely and, that. And Sir George is trying to recreate the same event. It's in every detail. Tegan's grandfather must have told him everything he discovered. He knows it's the only way for the malice to be fully activated. Doctor, I've had a terrible thought. The last battle in the war games has to be for real. Precisely. The slaughter will be dreadful. You must stop him. Yes, I know. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Regenerate. My name's Matt, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful wife, Becky. Nice to know you reverted back to type. And I did the dramatic pause for your reply as well, as always. It's not really a dramatic pause if you expect me to reply. It's, uh, it doesn't matter, you're beautiful and wonderful, so I'll have to combine the two next week. And you just have to think of that off the top of your head. Well, no, I'm just saying, you're, you're beautiful and wonderful, so I'm just trying to mix it up. We've been going, we've been going for three years now. Or overcompensating. We've been going for like three years now. Like when so men buy women flowers when they know they've done something wrong. Well, I haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Getting it in before I do. Um... And this week we've got uh, the awakening. So uh, before we go, or should we go for the logistical stuff? I think we should. So the awakening. This is nineteenth um, to the twentieth of January eighty four. So I've noticed that they're now doing like they must have do. They must have done like a Saturday and a Sunday yeah. episode, and then next week they did the la- the next two. I don't know how. Oh, I suppose that's a like a good idea because then at least then. Like with the four part is when they're done over like four weeks, it's like well you can end up forgetting the first bit. Yeah. So I go I suppose that's good in a way for like fans back then, you know, to back to back. Yep, written by Sort of like EastEnders over Christmas. Yeah, exactly. So this was written by Eric Pringle and it's his <laughs> only story that he ever done for Doctor Who. Has he got a tash? I don't know. I'm just thinking of the Pringle man. I don't know. Well. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. <laughs> Oh no, and, the uh, little face on the Pringles. He's got yeah, I know. he's got like no nose, no lips, but he's got a tash. And all other crisp, and eyes. crisp manufacturers are out there. 
But if anyone wants to, if Pringles want to sponsor us, they can do. Yeah, I tend to like actual Pringles. You can send me some paprika ones yeah. for free anytime. And this one was directed by Michael Owen Morris. And this is one and only story as well. For two episodes, uh, I didn't. I don't think I mentioned last week it was like four episodes, but this week it's not two that we episodes. actually ever get to eat many Pringles when we buy them because the kids nick them all. Yeah, that's it. Isn't it? And the and your stepdad. Yeah. And I never get. I think the last time I tried to retrieve them, I got two. Yes. Two whole Pringles. Okay. It's funny sure how I had a disappointment of that. It's funny how we can start a discussion about Pringles just off the writer's name. Yeah, no. I know. Anyway, and in to the poll... To be honest, I'm rather disappointed that you didn't see that coming. Mm, I did, as, as I saw it. Uh, and in the poll... Yeah, question. Um, in the poll, I don't know if it'll be surprising to you, Becky, or not. We'll get your thought it's in a minute. It's number 250. No, because there's not 250 in the poll. There's 241 in the poll. It's 240. No, it's not, actually. It came in. It came in at 155. Yeah. So it was in sort of just over halfway. And we'll quickly go through the synopsis. It uh, should have been 241. Well, we'll get your thoughts on it in a minute. So uh, yeah, let's go through the synopsis. The year is 84, which is uh, obviously it's five years before I was born. Yeah, but it's obviously uh, modern time. Uh, the Dr. Teagan and Turlow arrive well, in Little yeah, Hodcombe. in 1984, that was modern time for that. Well, for that, yeah, for that era of Doctor Who. So it is like, instead of going into the past or into the future, they're actually going into the actual present. Yeah, but then there's kind of like issues with reverting back to the past. Mm, yes. So they arrive in Little Hodcombe, a small English village looking forward to spending some time with Tegan's grandfather. They soon discover that all is not well. Tegan's grandfather is missing and the locals are reenacting English Civil War battles from 1643. With the past mixed up with the present, can the doctors stop the games before an evil entity hidden in the village church awakens? So... Uh, I think you've made it a little bit clear. And that do you, you know what the English Civil War even was? Well, no, we're going to get into that as we go through it, aren't we? Do you know what it was? Well, a, a civil, war, a civil war in England. In what year? Sixteen forty-three. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know why there was a civil war? Well, would you like to enlighten our listeners and myself then? Well, because Oliver Cromwell was around. Hmm. And obviously the whole monarchy got dissolved because of Oliver Cromwell. Right. When they beheaded Charles I. Right. So there was a lot of issues before that. I'm not quite sure. Is this if got that to do was... with the roundheads and the cavaliers? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Okay. Hold on, let me have a look. So... While you're doing that, you made it quite clear, I think, from saying you wanted it at number 240 in the poll, that this one didn't really take your fancy then, Becky. Right. And she just ignores me whilst he's searching on the powers of Google for the uh, history of the Civil War. So, Becky can't multitask. That's the problem. So, um, yeah, so this is a two-parter. What one was it? Because there's actually a lot of them. Well, it was actually move... Hopton, Cromwell and this Eastern is, Association. This was in Little Hodcombe. Gloucester, Newbury, Which could be a, It could be a manufactured um, village for the actual story. I don't know. I haven't looked well, into that. But at this point in time in the serial, that's where they were. Little Hodcombe. 
and they're just reenacting it. So right. it doesn't matter that it wasn't from that village. They're just reenacting it from, you know, from that well, time. I'm guessing it was around May. Well, no, this one was set... Because it said about the May Queen. Well, no, it's if we go through the first little bit of the part one while you're looking at your research, uh, it says on the 13th of July, 1643, two forces come to to the village of Little Hodcombe during the English Civil War and destroy each other. As the story begins, roundheads are riding horses in the little village of Little Hodcombe with little regard to the villages around them. However, it's not 1643, but 1884. So it is to do with the roundheads and the cavaliers. A school teacher, Jane Hampton, is convincing is convinced that her fellow villagers, led, led by the local magistrate, Sir George Hutchinson, has taken their reenactment of a series of battles too far. Hutchinson tries to assure that assure her that the games are a harmless event to celebrate the war. When Hampton asks him to stop the games, Hutchinson ignores her. So Fair it's is. not in May, it's in July. So it's not about so the time. So why are they saying about May Queen then? Well, I think that we'll we'll probably have a look into that while we go through it. But yeah, so you didn't answer me. Um, you're looking at your research. Um, but as I said, from the poll, right. from being like low in the poll, I gather that your thoughts and feelings about this one It was a bit boring, to be fair. Stuffy. But the thing is, the as they say, it was basically... The Roundheads obviously followed Oliver Cromwell. Yes. Right? And the Cavaliers were obviously for the king. Mm. So it was yeah. obviously king against Oliver Cromwell. Well, yeah. But what king? Oh, good quiz, yeah. James. No. Oh. That was Stuart. That was way before. That was like 1500s. I don't know. Charles II. There you go, then. Oh, my God. But at the minute, it's not Charles II. It's actually Elizabeth II because it's 1984. No, but I'm saying Oliver Cromwell was against Charles II. So, yeah, we start off and there's like, uh, we obviously think it's the past, but then there's like a teacher who's but... walking around. She's looking at horses and stables, so it's quite modern. And that's how we know that there's something not quite right with the situation here and that there's something amiss with what is happening at this time. I am thinking mm-hmm. that actually... Right. I don't actually think it was Charles II because he didn't come onto the throne till I think okay. a bit earlier. So it must have been when they were fighting Charles the First to okay. for Cromwell to actually get rid of him. Listeners, because they, they you... lobbed his, they actually lobbed his head off. Um, Listeners, if you'd like to uh, correct Becky here with which king it was. During the English Civil War, then let us know in the comments. Charles I, I just told you, he ruled from 1625 to 1649. Okay. And to be fair, that all ended, his reign ended, because obviously the battles between the Cavaliers and the Roundheads, the English Civil War, and obviously mm. ended up with Charles I getting his head lobbed off yep. and Oliver Cromwell taking control of the country. Mm. So obviously, and then we didn't have a monarch again till he 
got kind of bumped off and we ended up with Charles II. Yeah. So obviously at the minute these uh, these people are going a bit too far with their reenactment. We'll find out why as we go through the, the plot lines, but they're just reenacting mm. some of the civil war. But, but it's not really it's not although, really a reenactment of the battles. Do we get to see cavaliers in this episode? I can't remember if we do. To be honest. Do we get to though, see any fighting in this? You said James the first, right? Originally. Yeah, it was completely Which was some. actually his father. Well, there then. So you weren't far See? Off. See, I know. I know. No, anyway, the doctor promises to take his companion Tegan to 84 so she can spend some time with her grandfather. This is the first time we've ever had this in Doctor Who. Like a, a companion wanted to see their family and the doctor taking them. So this is a new thing. And uh, his name is Andrew Verney. So uh, Tegan is Tegan Javanka. Yeah, so his frequent completely different name. So ultimately provoked a civil war that led to his execution on the 30th of January, 1649. Hmm. So uh, Tegan's grandfather is a completely different name to what hers is. So we're guessing that maybe Tegan's parents weren't married and they didn't take his name. Or maybe Tegan's parents were married, took. So if we surmise, this could be Tegan's mother's father. Because obviously if Tegan's mother got married, take take maybe. her father's name. Yeah, this is why the name's different. Anyway, name. the doctor sets the coordinates to Little Hodcombe, where Verney resides, but the TARDIS experiences some turbulence, funnily enough, and lands in what appears to be a structurally unstable church. The Dr. Tegan and Turlow, watching on the scanner, sees a man in 17th century clothing flee from the church. The doctor dashes out to help him, but the man has vanished. Tegan's convinced that they have now landed in the wrong time again, but Turlow has checked the TARDIS coordinates, and they are, in fact, in 18... Uh, 1984, as the Doctor and his companions pursue the man, smoke billows from a crack in the wall. Now, this really reminded me of New Who. There's a, there's obviously a, 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 st- a story arc, which we will get onto when we get onto it, but there is a story arc in New Who, with the, it's Matt Smith, I think, it's Matt Smith's Doctor, where there's a crack in the wall, and it follows him through the whole series, isn't there? Mm. And this kind of reminded me of that, and I thought, well, that's very much New Who. Although, did you know, right, oh, that still, actually in still, still on History 101 with Becky here. 1643 was actually the year Isaac Newton was born. Okay. Thanks for that little bit of uh, trivia there. But we'll uh, keep it on. <laughs> we'll keep it on the Roundheads and the Cavaliers. Yeah, well, I started with or the Cavaliers. isn't it the Pudding Basins, uh, if you're a fan of Red Dwarf? No. Yes, it is. If you watch Red Dwarf, yeah, you'll know exactly what that reference is. <laughs> anyway, so um, I'll say I said last week when we were watching the last serial when we recorded the podcast, Chame- uh, Chameleon, the robot. Where is Chameleon? Still not to be found. Disappeared. Well, yes and no. I'm I've... wondering if they're just fucking like. Um, I wonder if they just like disconnected him. Hmm. And then just shoved him in a basement or something. Well, obviously, having that sort of prop robot is very difficult to film scenes with. Uh, spoiler alert is Chameleon thing, is actually a companion the, of the actual TARDIS. The, th- and the thing is that gets is me, still though, on board. Right, is the Civil War weren't that long after the revolution at France. Right. Right? So you'd think with all that and all that rebellion against monarchs and everything that the Russian Tsars would have been a bit more savvy. Wow. Just saying. 
No. Because that ended up with another revolution that ended up overthrowing another monarchy. Power leads to war, Becky, and that is... (laughs) <laughs> just the way it is. Yeah, we don't even need so, kings or queens to do that. So no, getting back we to, get basic, you know, just presidents and dictators and absolute morons. Getting doing back it to what I said about chameleon not being in the uh, in the serial, there was actually in the show notes a scene. But maybe he's more of a chameleon than you think, and he's camouflaging with the wall. Well, maybe, but. If you let me get my point <laughs> out, in the show notes, they actually did film a scene with Chameleon and Tegan and Turlo in the corridor of the TARDIS. But because of overrunning with the episode length, they cut it from the actual show. So they were aware that Chameleon's not been in it and they were going to try and rectify that. But obviously, because of the overrun, they cut it. Mm. But Chameleon, spoiler lots, does return in uh, a future serial. So we will see the robot again. Uh, it will be its. Probably its first and last um, appearance, yeah. shall we say. So eventually the three travellers are captured by Captain Joseph Willow and taken before Hampdale and Colonel Ben Wolseley, which is funny because there is actually a Wolseley in history, isn't there? With like um, Cardinal Wolsey. That was... Uh, more Tudor times. Yeah, but I'm still. Anyway, who apologised for the poor treatment. Hutchison arrives and explains the town is celebrating the anniversary of the Battle of Little Hodcombe. He urges him to join Although the celebration. I'm not actually sure if that's an actual accurate depiction or not. What? A Cardinal oh. Wolsey or whether that's a fictional one. Well, I don't know. Anyway. Like they tried to say that he had another wife. Mm. To, uh, Tegan is told her grandfather is missing and runs outside. The doctor follows but loses her. Tegan is upset is crying film, when somebody steals her handbag. That was quite a funny little moment as well where she's got her little... Did she actually get that back? I don't think she did. Um, a little red handbag. She puts it up to her face only for someone to put their arm around the door and grab it and then run off. Mm. Which is quite funny. She tries to get it back and runs into the barn where she finds the ghost of an puts, old man. To be fair, right, in that sort of situation, you know, you'd put your head in your hand sort of thing. You wouldn't just basically hold your bag up to your face. Again, Tegan... It's just moronic. We'll talk, it's like you're expecting it to get nicked off you. We'll talk about Tegan again. Tegan's in the same outfit. She's sort of uh, got this multicoloured like sort of dress sort of... Is it a one-piece, two-piece? It's piece? more of a bat-wing tunic dress. There we go. So, you know, she's still wearing that. Uh, also, uh, I think uh, Janet Fielden has uh, mastered the art of now running in high shoes. And you've mastered the art of actually calling her Janet. I know, I know. I got it wrong last week. <laughs> so she's mastered well, the last art week, Last week, for apart from now, for God knows how long since she's been in it, you've called her Jeanette. I know. The whole time, and only now you get it right without me reminding you. I know. The doctor returns to the church and meets a 17th century peasant, Will Chandler, who emerges from a wall. He may not be easily trained, but you're trained eventually. Mm. He has been hidden in a priest hole and believes the year to be 1643. Turlo rescues Tegan from the barn and they return to the TARDIS. There is a sparkly projection on one of the walls. This is where the budget sort of failed a little bit. It's kind of a rubbish overlay, but it is what it is. Meanwhile, the doctor and Will investigate the church Tegan and Turlo leave the TARDIS and are recaptured again that's sort of that plot point they use uh, all the time of companions that kid um, he looked a lot like little John's son in um, 
Robin Hood and the Prince of Thieves. I don't know. I haven't seen it for with long Kevin long. Costner and. Well, that was in the nineties, so that won't be the same lad. It looks really. They look so similar. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, it's a plot point they use quite a bit with companions. Again, the Doctor is sort of uh, adopted adopted another companion in the form of Will uh, Will Chandler, and he also gets uh, another campa- uh, companion of Jane, uh, the Hampdale. I think it wasn't Hampdale. That was what her name was, mm. wasn't it? The uh, yeah, Jane Hampdale, uh, the teacher. He kind of gets her as a companion as well at one point, which I think is quite funny. And they even have his little like nod to it, which yeah. I'll go over when we get to there. But again, the plot point they always seem to use here in Doctor Who is the the actual companions are captured all the bloody time. It seems to be just a, a rinse and repeat. It's one of them storyline things that writers have to put in that they always capture the companions. It's just so frustrating uh, and they never seem to do anything. And that it's just annoying, you know. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, the Doctor and Will investigate the church. Tegan and Turlough uh, Turlo leave the TARDIS and recaptured. Turlough is locked in a building with Vernie, who is obviously Tegan's grandfather. Willow uh, forces Tegan to change into a 17th century costume. Um, so she is the to be the Queen of the May, which uh, I'm guessing from... We don't see it, obviously, but I'm guessing from their idea is that they're going to tie her to a, a maypole and they're going to burn her. So they're going to burn her at the stake. That's what it seemed to be. Um, the, do- the Doctor and Will find a secret passage to Ben Walsley's living room under a slab marked with a picture of a creature that Will identifies as the malice. Coming uh, the other way, though, through the passage, the Doctor and Will meet up with the with Hampden, who found the passage's other end after being locked in Cardinal Wolsey's office. So they're in this sort sort of uh, it's not is it an Edwardian house or that's kind of like them sort of like old oldy house with paneling on the walls, you know, and tapestries and fabrics and that sort of thing. And she finds like this uh, secret door behind one of the tapestries. Obviously, it's the most obvious place to look if you ever watched anything like this or uh hammer horror or you know other things there's always a that might have been more behind the tapestry stick of the dump okay well that was the 80s yeah um wasn't is that the thing with like um i can't remember what it's called the the, the creature thingy what do you mean I, the cruel creature thingy i was probably thinking of something else then so, um, no, I swear a young boy discovers a teenage caveman living in a like rubbish dump. All right. The thing you're thinking of is Skellig, probably. Probably, yeah. They avoid Hutchinson, who has followed Jane down the passage, and the doctor finds a small ball of metal. The doctor identifies the metal as tin clavic, a metal mined by the Terra Piltils on the planet of Raga. Now, I think the Terra Lip- Liptils, or whatever, however you say it, we've seen them before. I think it's the one with the uh, the Great Fire in London in uh, The Visitation. I think that was what they were. Uh, uh, the almost uh, exclusive use of the people of the Hackle, a planet in the star system of Rifta, where psychic energy is a force to be harnessed, if you can make sense of that. So, no, really. Um, so they... Basically, there's a lot of psychic energy uh, being used here. So, return to the church, the Doctor and Hampdale are astonished when a massive alien face pushes its way through the crack on the wall. The trouble is with uh, 
we're spoiled with modern day graphics and CGI mm. and, you know, things being done on a, uh, you can do really massive effects on a, slow, a lower budget. Mm. Nowadays, uh, back then in the 80s and Doctor Who, it is very much, you know, studio based effects. The face looked a very, you know, nowadays they'd make the face really animated and it would look realistic and all this and the other. I don't know if they were going for like a stony effect with that face but it didn't look it looked like it was a just a molded face that didn't really have much personality it just had eyes that moved from left to the right and the mouth didn't really move very much so it didn't really fill you with terror not really you know it's just a shame that you the know what kind of made me good. think of you know scooby-doo the live action movie uh, i have seen it yeah, but yeah you know they're like weird thick like Goblin-y things with a really long pointy nose that are are sort of um, they kind of make up these like um, roller coaster cars Mm. when they switch it on in that haunted house thing and that's kind of what they remind me of Well, they had a nice little effect where obviously it's you know when the cliffhanger's coming in Doctor Who especially in the modern uh, in, in the old school Doctor Who because it's a lot of shouting of the word Doctor uh, and that's what Jane did. She sort of shouted at the Doctor as the smoke billowed round the Doctor and encased him. And that was quite a good effect. That's quite a good effect. Um, and that was Dry the ice. end of the episode. But I thought that was a quite good effect. So part two, the creature roars and spews smoke. They escape from the psychic projection of a cavalier. So we do have cavaliers. And return to the house via the tunnel. The Doctor realises that the malice in the church was discovered by Vernie and Hutchinson. The latter tried to exploit the creature, but it used him by organising... Yeah, that's what I don't get, right? Because with the thing, with the reenactment part, Mm. I'm guessing that that Sir George is supposed to be like a cavalier. I thought he... Well, I don't know. Is he a cavalier or a roundhead? I'm guessing he's supposed to be a cavalier because they're like more fancier clothing. Okay. And they were more hats than helmets Mm. with feathers on. But a lot of the, you know... (sighs) I thought other people under him, like, half of them were roundheads, half of them weren't. There's not much battling between the two, I found, in this serial. I know it's limited because of the size. It's only two episodes, but there wasn't very much battling. It was more of, we'll make Tegan the, uh, the May Queen. Let's burn her. And the malice. That was kind of all. Mm-hmm. There wasn't no fighting or battling. So it was a bit confusing to there who was who. Or who was fighting who and what mm. was happening. But well, it's a re- it was supposed to be a reenactment, so I'm guessing it was like supposed to be like not real. Yeah. Anyway, so like I said, the latter tried to exploit the creature, but it used him by organising the war games. The psychic energy released by the war games has fed the malice. So I'm guessing the sort of uh, all the heated battling and all that sort of stuff is feeding the malice because of the psychic energy that it's taking to reenact it that's what i'm guessing uh, the doctor and jane again try to persuade hutchins to stop the game the I final battle will be real how they pick one like specific thing for reenactment because that's like where we live there's probably been about a million and one um like wars battles all sorts of things around this area of britain so 
You know, it's like, well, mm. what, what battle would you reenact? So, yeah, like I said, uh, they tried to persuade him to stop the Hutchinson to stop the games because the final battle will be real. So I'm guessing mm. that the battles are a bit like the actual War Games episode, Patrick Troughton's, where they are a psychic projection and it's that energy that's feeding mm. the malice. But for the last battle, it's going to be a real battle between the two well, sides. Well, when they originally said the malice, I thought, like, oh... Well, to me, that sounds like a cup. Well, that's a chalice. Yeah, I know what a chalice is, but oh. to me, it sounded more like, you know, I, I either one kept thinking of a cup or the song by the jam, A Town Called Malice. Yeah, I know. You know? So Hutchins refuses and orders Walsley to kill the Doctor. Once Hutchins leaves, Walsley joins forces with the Doctor. The Queen of the May is taken in a horse-drawn cart to the village green, so that's obviously Tegan, where she is to be burned. Hutchinson suddenly notices that the Queen is actually not Tegan, but a straw dummy that has been put in her place by mm. Walsley. They made that quick, didn't they? Hutchins becomes angry and orders his men to kill Walsley and the others. Will appears in the nick of time and uses a flame torch to cause a distraction. This allows the Doctor, Hampdale, Walsley and Tegan to escape to the tar. I gotta admit, the doctor is very—he's very free with letting people in the TARDIS. You know, so the doctor locks the. Signal. Anyone could be a nut job, you know. know, and try and nick all your stuff. He does. He lets everyone in there now. Anyway, and they leave the doors open quite a lot. I will say that. I know. I like, for Christ's sake, shut the door. So the doctor. That's like, to be honest, what I find with Peter Davison's doctor, I feel like he was born in a barn mm. because it's like you know you're always leaving the bloody door open. Yeah. You do, you know, you did that when I was a kid at Emma. It was like, you know, we ain't paying just to heat the house to let it go outside, mm. you know? Yeah. Well, they're not paying to heat the TARDIS. It probably has its own heating. That's not the point. Yeah. It was always shut the door. Doors need shutting, you mm. know? So anyway, Keep the, the doctor locks the signal com- conversation uh, conversion unit on the frequency of the psychic energy feeding the malice, hoping to direct it. Willow and a trooper try in vain to break their way Especially into the TARDIS, Jack. which I thought was quite an interesting point when mm. they stumble across the TARDIS and they go, oh, a blue box, uh, a blue police box or a police box. Yeah. And I thought to myself in the 80s, surely the police box, because we've got to think about it as it's a program. So. Us as a viewer, we only know of the blue police boxes because really of old films, probably old some old films, but if you're not a fan of old films, you're not going to know. But because of Doctor Who, he yeah, rides around the TARDIS. TARDIS and there's a blue box. That's why we know now that there used to be blue police boxes. But in the 80s, when we've got to think that they never watched Doctor Who, how are they aware of a blue police box? Unless they still had some in the 80s, I don't know. Well, that's the thing. I think they were more popular sort of in the 60s but then eventually people obviously got rid of him yeah so it's like it's like the red phone boxes there are still some red phone boxes in britain yeah some have rid of them some have actually defibrillators in rather than phones these days Mm. but you know which you'd think you'd have a phone next to uh, but then i guess you know they expect everyone to actually have mobile phones these days yeah it's just an interesting plot point uh willow obviously willow and the troop but they're trying in vain to break the way into tardis it's like the phone phone box around the corner that's been Mm. like disconnected and the thing's been Mm. cut for like a couple of years and no one ever pulls it out or repairs it so while they're trying to break into the tardis turlo and verney knock them unconscious with lumps of masonry I, I would think they'd actually crush the skulls in, but well, we'll 
This is, not, like this is in the realms of fantasy. So the doctor blocks masonry. the energy. Masonry? Why don't I just say stone? That's what it says. The doctor blocks the energy it's and the projection stone. of the malice in the TARDIS dies because there's a little creature in the... Obviously, when Tegan Turlo ran into the TARDIS yeah, in the last episode, there was hell. that sort of overlay sort of thing and that's the malice trying that's to... That's got to really freak kids out in that sort of yeah, era because trying it's proper, to, like... It's like... It's trying to materialise in the TARDIS. Part gargoyle, part like really sort of skeleton-y tail, but then... To me, that was a good effect. I thought it was a quite the good The face was proper thing. dodgy, but then it sort of had like, was supposed to be like a lion mane round its head, and that was just proper weird. Yeah, so the Doctor blocks the energy and the projection of the malice inside the TARDIS fr- dies. You know, I think I got more weirded out by that than I did watching Return to Oz the first time. And then also when it dies, uh, the goo budget for Doctor Who at the minute is, is just, that must be the highest budget because everything's just got green green crap coming out green of it. Green time. So anyway, the real malice desperately tries to drain all the psychic you energy from the villagers. You can actually make them from scratch, mm. really. Like, it's mainly just food colouring, cornstarch and glue mm. and maybe a bit of flour. That's all it is. Right. So he creates a corporal, a corporeal projection of three roundheads who tried to kill the doctor and his allies. However, the dazed and confused trooper stumbles away from the TARDIS and into the main church area where he becomes surrounded by the roundheads. They decapitate him, then vanish. Hutchinson arrives and holds them all at gunpoint when the doctor tries to talk. Hutchinson out of the thowels of the uh, the malice. Willow attacks the group in the scuffle. Will pushes Hutchinson into the mouth of the malice, destroying its medium. Realizing it's failed, the malice prepares to destroy itself and everything around it. The church become begins to collapse, and the Doctor leads the others, including Willow, into the safety of the TARDIS. That model shot though of the church collapse and just looks so. 80s it's like yeah it was but it was an uh, okay say, model shot like it's just a shame blue peter's version of tracy island was probably yeah. more su- you can structurally see, secure you can see it's a model shot but i thought as model shots go it was quite good for yeah the 80s. but yeah it, like i said tracy island was probably more convincing so then, made out of yogurt pots. the last little bit is inside the tardis the doctor's companions are surprised to see will still among them the doctor explains he must have been wrong in his assumption that will was a psychic projection the malice must have created a temporal rift which allowed Will to slip into the future. A doctor will take Will back to 1643. Tegan objects and asks the doctor to allow her some time to visit her grandfather. The doctor is disgruntled, persuaded to stay in Little Highcombe for a while for a rest. Because Turlow, it was an alright ending, but Turlow's like, I want to try some of that sort of brown drink, whatever. We're supposed to think it's like lager, beer, ale, that sort of thing. Only for him to say no, because Will says, or ale, and he says, no, tea. And then the doctor says about it being like, Will asks what it is. Yeah, and he says it's like... percentages of certain toxins. Yeah, toxins, and and he says, I'm quite fond of it, and that's the end of the cereal. Because he he said it sounds like a deadly brew. Yeah, so... um, that's the end of it. So, yeah, short and sweet, really, wasn't it? And yeah, I think it was short and sweet. Um, there is one thing I will point out, which I bet you didn't notice. And to be honest, I'll admit that I didn't actually notice until I read um, in the notes. We saw a costume change for the Doctor. It was a blink and a miss it. Basically, the Doctor sporting a new outfit. He's sporting a new cricket jumper. 
Oh wow! So we'll have to spot that for the next next time when we watch the next is one. Is it the is same colour? Frontos is the next one. Is it the yeah, same? Yeah, it's the same cricket jumper. I think it's probably just got different like stripes. Yeah, on stripes it. on it or something like that. You know. But yeah. Well, that's then how the, the hell are you supposed to notice the that? The awakening. Well, that's it, isn't it? But I didn't notice it. Come off! You don't even notice when I've had my hair cut or my hair dyed half the time. You know, I come in for hairdresser. She's like, oh, I thought you were having your hair done. So, yeah, that's basically it. So, like Betty says, she's not really keen on that one. I thought it was all right. It's not the best cereal. It wasn't the best two-parter really. we've ever had. Uh, it did feel very filler. And boring. Yeah, it did, it did feel very filler and didn't really and have boring. much much substance to the actual story. But uh, Mark Campbell's episode guide um, says a completely different approach to the verdict, which you'd be... Not surprised, to be honest, because we feel one way, he feels another way, which is fair enough. It's an opinion. So his verdict is an atmospheric little gem with a creepy central premise. Well directed by Michael O. Morris, a nine out of ten. So he give it just one below perfect, which I think is a little bit, uh, I think it's a little bit, I think that's uh, very, very generous, especially for this serial. Um, like not being funny like last week's with the Warriors of the Deep I liked the bit where he like fell off the gantry into the the, the big tub or water or whatever what to call it and I thought it was a nice little change we never really seen anything like that in Doctor Who whereas this sort of really does scream elements of the Damons with yeah. John Pertwee so it does feel like a recycled storyline that didn't, you know, the, the, the actual creature monster, whatever you want to call it, wasn't actually the best in the end. You know, we've had some really cracking monsters, cracking villains, but this time it was just, uh, it's going to be a one and done and we're never going to remember this one in, in a year's time, you know. So I think, yeah, he's been very generous there. It's not, you know, if you were to say to people, you know, if people to ask you uh, which uh, which Peter Davison Doctor Who? I'm thinking about getting into Doctor Who. Peter Davison's my Doctor. Which episodes would you would you would you recommend I watch? This wouldn't what, be on my top of my list. Somehow. It would be at the very bottom of my list. So yeah. So anyway, it's a bit of a short and sweet one. Like I say, there's not much more you can really say about about these. You know, these sort of ones that aren't as good. I like the positive element of the good ones than mm. the negative of the bad ones so we'll move on from that so yeah listeners let us know what you thought of the awakening is it still hold up is it as good as what mark campbell says a nine out of ten or is it actually just a sort of lowly sort of bobbing in the middle average serial that just feels a bit filler i don't know anyway next week is frontos and that's a four-parter, so we're going back to four-parters. A couple of two-parters in this uh, mm. this season. Uh, we are obviously hurling towards the end of Peter Davison's Doctor very quickly. It's now approaching, uh, and they're wrapping up the season. So, yeah, like I say, let us know what you thought, and we'll catch you next week for Fontos. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. So I'll say goodbye, and say goodbye, Becky. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>